Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Hey, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. I'm actually driving solo today. My co-partner and pilot, Benny Little, is on a bit of a break at the moment. But we've got some uh, really exciting stuff coming up. And our, our guest tonight, he's someone that we're really excited to have on the show. He's a man that's played over 350 professional rugby league games across 17 seasons in both the NRL and the Super League. Our guest is one of the toughest players I've got to come up against. And he formed one of the most feared, respected, and well-loved families to play rugby league in Australia. Tonight, my guest in the spirit of sport is former NRL player Ashton Sims. Ashton, thanks for joining us. Good evening, Timmy. Wow, what an intro, mate. I've got to take you around everywhere I go. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I spent my whole Christmas break uh, working on that, so I hope you like it. Mate, um, I'll, give you, yeah, I'll give you a 10 out of 10, buddy. Thanks, mate. Talking about Christmas break, mate, how was yours? How did you enjoy your break? Really good. We didn't really go too far. Uh, we've moved back a couple of years ago, moved back down to Shell Harbour Way, down near where I'm from. Uh, in Jerringong here on the South Coast. Uh, it's a beautiful spot, man. Just went to the beach every day. The kids are right in the surf clubs. Uh, um, pretty much did surf club, beach, uh, and just enjoyed it with family and friends. How good is that? There wouldn't have been uh, much surfing over in England. How was, uh, how was the end of your career? Mate, it's a mammoth career. We spoke about the numbers, over 350 games, 2003 to 2019. It's, that's huge, mate. How was, um, how was the time over in England? Oh, I loved it, honestly, Timmy. Look at... Rugby league was something I always wanted to chase. It was a dream when I was a kid, uh, playing in the backyard with my little brothers and my sisters. Uh, it, was, it was what I wanted to do. And um, to be able to, to get, be paid very well um, for that, but also get to see all different parts of Australia, but all parts of the world, it was really incredible, mate. And I've, I've met some of, the, some of the best people I've met in my life are, uh, uh, from rugby league, but also over in the UK. Uh, I think they're just... You know, in the UK, mate, they've just got the best humour. They've got the, the you know, they're, some, some are very cynical. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're a very pessimistic bunch. Of, some of them, look, I played with a guy, John Wells. Um, yeah. uh, he, he played for England for, for a long time, and he was one, he's one of the best back rowers from, uh, from the UK. And I played with St. Helens, but I played with him at Toronto Wolfpack. And he said, look, if pessimism was an Olympic sport, we'd be gold medalists every four years. <laughs> so, uh, and, they, you know, they, they've just got that brilliant humour, mate. And, um, yeah, like I said, mate, some of my best friends, the best people I've met in my life, not just rugby league, uh, from over there in the UK. That's awesome, man. And you talk about pessimism. I, just, I think about uh, Eels fans as well. They can be a bit uh, glass half empty sometimes. It's been a while for us. Yeah. Uh, what, what about over, the, over there? Was there a place or a, a town that you enjoyed the most or that you really liked hanging out at? Oh, look, mate, I, 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 I'm I, a bit of a homebody, um, yep. Yep. As, as silly as that sounds. You know, I, I like being home. I like being in my surroundings. Uh, so when I moved to Warrington, mate, I just explored Warrington for what it was worth. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's right, it's smack bang in the middle of Liverpool and Manchester. So like, 20 minutes to Liverpool, 20 miles to Manchester. Um, just being in and around there was great. But also, you know, probably the, one of the greatest or one of my favourite grounds I've ever played at is, is Headingley uh, over in Leeds. One, one big reason of that is, you know, they always get a great crowd. They're very passionate Yorkshire fans, but I'm a, I'm a big cricket tragic, uh, probably cricket nerd. So uh, playing next door to where, you know, people like Botham, you know, Steve, Mark Waugh, you know, Andrew Simon, some of my favourite players of all time have, have played uh, in, in, on the next door there. So... 
it was, yeah, it's pretty incredible uh, to think about all the places both of us, you know, both of us have played at, um, probably yeah. sitting back, being retired now, you can sort of look back and, and sort of have a reflect and have a think, oh, geez, yeah, I did get to play there or I'll get to play here and get to play yeah, against yeah, this, 100%, yeah. uh, this guy. And, you know, you just, it's, yeah, at the time, you know, you, you're so focused on rugby league, you're not really thinking about some of the achievements that you've gone through, you know, as well as me, Timmy. So yeah, yeah. sometimes it's nice to, not, not to give yourself a big ego because that's the last thing I am looking I was a, you know, I was a, uh, a very sort of uh, average, hardworking uh, footy player. But it's pretty cool to to think about some of the people I've played against, but also some of the teams I've I've played with, the clubs I've been associated with, and the places I've got to visit. Yeah, I think you're being pretty modest there, mate. You're much better than average. You're always one of the toughest guys no, I came against. Same with your I brothers, was a man. I was a battler. I was a battler. Just doing my best when my best is required. Oh, mate. I, uh, you talk about being a homebody and, uh, you know, the South Coast. You come, you start playing with the Dragons in 2003. Um, what, did you ever think that you go from making your debut at 2003 at your hometown to playing in Toronto in 2019? What was that like? Nah. Oh, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance, mate. Look, when I, that week I made my debut, man, it was probably, it was probably the most emotional I've sort of ever been. Look, I, I try not to show too many emotions. I don't know why. It's just something that, um, you know, being the oldest son uh, in a family in, in a family growing up, look, you know, growing up, times were, you know, you know times were pretty tough. Uh, you know, we come from a very modest modest home. Um, you know, you think about Jeringong now, people think, oh, yeah, the surf, the sun, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and it is. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. It's always home to me. But, you know, growing up in that sort of west end, west part of Jeringong, you know, like I said, mate, times were tough. You know, there was there was a lot of tough moments growing up with food and rent, electricity, yeah. water, going to footy training on a freezing cold Wednesday night, coming home to no hot water, no running water. I uh, have to go right down to the beach and at night and and, have, and have, take a bit of a dip and wash your knees and your elbows. And but look, I, I look back all back on those, and I, I don't take a victim mentality to that. And I, I actually thank my parents for that because it's kept me grounded, it's kept me humble. Uh, look, I, I've never. I've never had a big ego. I've never enjoyed materialistic things. I'm a very meat and three veg kind of guy. Um, <laughs> so it's look, I've had I've had a hundred dollar steak at, at a nice restaurant. I've had a fifteen dollar steak at a bowling club, and I, to me, mate, it, it makes no difference. So, um, but to 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 make my debut in '03, mate, it was just a real culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, sacrifice, uh, accountability, but also. Thanking my parents for giving me, you know, you know, tr- the value, the, some values in life that are transferable uh, into all aspects of your life. You know, be on time, be in uniform, trust, respect, manners go everywhere. Uh, be accountable. Don't take that victim mentality. Uh, and if you're going to start something, you, you finish it. So, uh, and and you know, to make my debut that week, I remember there, there was an old um, Sizzlers. I'm not sure if. It, Listeners will know there's an old there was an old Sizzlers on Cogra Road there. Oh, uh, I remember. Road no, I know Sizzler. Don't worry. I know Sizzler. Oh, oh, she was a brilliant one, mate. Yeah, cheesy, <laughs> cheesy bread. Yes. Uh, bolognese, yes. nachos. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Nathan Brown just come over and handed me the phone and said, "Ring, ring your mum and dad. You're going to be making a debut this week." Um, once I yeah, once I got the the cheesy bread out of my mouth, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I might have shed a tear. We're all we're there in front of a few of my mates. I remember you know Maddie Head and Benny Craig, Dean Young. That was our. Yeah. That was our carpool and Chris and Chris Whitebowl. You know, there was the five of us in a carpool, um, and yeah, it was just a real emotional moment, man. And it's, so um, I just think about all those hard times growing up, and, and I don't use those hard times as victim mentality. I use them as motivation, and I still do them to this day. That's so cool, man. And 
I love hearing your story about, you know, your upbringing and, and the, the humility that you, you kind of carry with you throughout your whole career. What was it like as a kid coming through? You know, you obviously had three other siblings that, that played the sport as well. What was it like um, growing up and how did you get involved in rugby league as a kid? Yeah, well, look, it's it was something that I'm not going to keep harping on it, but, you know, when you don't have a TV in the house growing up, well, you're either going to sit in the house and read a book or do something or you go outside and play sport. And, and that was the one thing that we always had. Uh, we always had, you know, footy, soccer balls, cricket, uh, netball, basketball. Ruan, uh, my older sister, she was a really good basketball player and I, used, I still love basketball to this day. And uh, there's plenty of yeah battles out there on the, on, the, on the basketball ring and the netball ring. So it was, you know, it was competitive. It was competitive growing up. But the one thing that we also had, which was a great leveler, was the ocean. Uh, that was yeah. that played a big part of our life. You know, I've said it to a lot of people. You know, the one thing I love about my upbringing is what I want to give my kids is I had cricket in the summer, footy in the winter and surfing all year round. So yeah. um, that plays a big part of my life. I, I truly believe uh, the ocean to be, to be a great leveler. Look, it's a, the studies are out there. I, I, I'm right into all this, you know, the, the cold plunges and um, the cold shock proteins that jumping in the, you know, jumping in the cold pools, the ice bath, but also the ocean. Um, I jump in the ocean pretty well every day uh, after I go to, uh, to, to the gym or do a bit of a workout. Uh, I just think it's a yeah. Uh, I think it's a great way for for people to people to live, and um, especially you know on here on the coast, it's, it's very yeah. Drops it really drops those cortisol levels. Um, you know, boosts that that um, serotonin in our bodies and and our dopamine hit. Bit of a dopamine hit there as well. So yeah, um, that was yeah that that was brilliant, man. But rugby league, we we're always gravitated towards it from being from Gerringong. You know, we've got people like Rod Wishart, Mick Cronin. Uh, Paul Quinn, the Ronnie crow. King, Peter how Ford. The, how good's the crow? Yeah. He's a, he's a uh, pup still over there. The legend, mate. Yeah. yeah. He's the king of Jerry. Don't, don't even think about the, the Simpsons or the <laughs> Sharks or anything like that, mate. It's it's, a, it's Cronin territory oh, and always will be Cronin territory. Yeah. <laughs> mate, you, um, you, it's so interesting to hear you talk about the beach and the ocean. That is, For someone like you that's, I guess, so accustomed to having it as part of your life, and you know, do you feel the difference when you don't have it? So, for example, when you're in England, and you didn't have access to the ocean, do you feel a difference in your body when you don't have access to the, that dip every day? To be honest, Timmy, I, uh, I, one thing I've learned to be in life is, is quite adaptable. Yeah. So look, if I can't do something, I want to do something else that replaces it, that gives me that same feeling. So when, I, when we didn't have the ocean, um, we're, we're, say we were up in Brisbane, I, I really love, I really enjoy saunas. Yeah. Uh, I, I like saunas, I like getting in there. Infrared ones, not so much. Um, I, I like the hot stones, the, you know, put the eucalyptus on it. I haven't yeah. slapped the leaves and all that like they do over in the Mediterranean yet <laughs> or in Russia or whatever they do. But uh, look, I, I love, you know, you know I, I like all that. And it's just about, oh, I'm, I was always big on recovery yeah. uh, and with my body because I wanted to make sure I got the best out of, out of me. And that was, you know, doing things that other people wouldn't necessarily or normally do. So... It was probably you know saunas. It was doing swimming. Uh, I've always I've always enjoyed my still water swimming, pool swimming. Still do to this day. Yeah. Um. But so but it's about replacing things in life, and that's you know that that's a big thing for a lot of people is if they can't do one thing, you know. Not I'm not going to say a lot of people. I'm not going to say majority, but some people out there might just think, well, if I can't do that, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Or, yeah. Try and replace it with something else. Try and replace it with that thing that just might make you get that little kick or that little dopamine hit, that little thing in the morning that gets you going up and out of bed and makes you motivated to be someone and be something in life. Man, I love hearing you speak. We're going to talk a bit more later on the show about a bit what you're doing now and 
you got so much gold nuggets from what you're talking about right now without even noticing. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I like the sauna too. I, I um I was in there this morning with uh one of the my old teammates. I I've, I don't yeah. sign up at as a gym unless I know there's a sauna there because for me that's that's my favorite part of the workout. I'll get the workout done and then I'll go sit in the sauna for 20 minutes. It is. It, and it, for sort of for bigger guys like us, mate. Well, you're you're I mean, no, I'm, I'm for big. bigger guys like myself who yeah I uh, I, I like the sauna because it feels like it's a bit of cardio because I the heart rate uh, gets yeah, up. Since, the heart rate gets up, mate, and because yeah. I've got sort of dicky knees now, I don't really do too much running, but that's where, you know, a bit of like swimming, boxing, a um, bit of roller and the sauna, that's where it comes into it, mate. Just, yeah, it's just, to me, to me, you know, it might not be for everyone, but to me, I, I think it's the, the optimal way to live is just look after your, you know, your body, your mind, your soul, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, just to get the best, uh, that, the, be, be that best version of yourself. I'm with you, man. Um, and it's I'm just, you. you know, it's a little bit of trial and error, isn't it? Just trying all different things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we spoke a bit about, you know, Rowan and, and your family, but do you guys ever, do you ever sit down as a four of you and just look back? I know you talked about reflecting in your career. Do you ever, like, sit down as a family and look at what you guys have achieved as a family and think about how cool it must be? Like, you even look at Tariq, you know, this year, I thought 2021, last year, sorry, was um was one of his best years. And then he obviously had the great Origin Series mm. as well. But as a family, do you ever guys just sit back and think, "Gee, that was, we've, we've done a, we've done pretty well for a family." No, to be honest, man, it's not really only because it's a little bit. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's sort of a little bit embarrassing. Um, you know, it's, it's just for other people to have a. You know, they they can look at us and think, "Oh, geez, like, look what these guys have done." But to us, um, it's just a culmination of a lot of hard work, sacrifice, dedication, as I mentioned before. But I was having two really good role models in life, and that was our mum and dad. Um, look, I, growing up, I, I grew up watching my dad wake up at 3.15 every single morning, whether it was rain, hail, shine, whether he felt good, felt like shit, um, whether he had broken bones in his body. Man, he went out there and he milked cows for, you know, for well over 25 years. Um, he's just literally he's just changed jobs literally in the last month. Um, but I, I look at that, and we, we talk about this probably more. Uh, we look at that and just think, wow, what a... What 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 a, what a show of dedication to your family, um, and and mum as well. You know, being a homemaker, you know, having jobs every now and then. Um, but she she always made sure the house. You know, we always had a roof over our head, food on our back, our food in our belly, clothes on our back. Um, and they're the things that they're the things that you remember. Um, that's yeah. that, that that that's you know, in honesty, that's what it is. But looking back on it, you know, Rwanda, you know, she's an OAM. Um, and she had dedication to rugby league, you know, really, really helping strengthen uh, the women's game to where it is now. And I, I love seeing where the women's game is, excuse me, uh, currently. I know it's just going to keep going from strength to strength, but, and excuse me, so is the, yeah, so is the men's game. I'm really excited to see where that's going to go in, in the future. There's some really good people involved there at the NRL and, and in strategic spots throughout rugby league. And it's our duty uh, as ex-players and also employees of of different organisations, radio, whether it's radio or de- NRL development, or um, you know, in my current role now as, as the Group Seven um, operations manager, to keep building rugby league so generations to come can really enjoy the game that we love. Yeah, it's it's so cool, and your, your sister's obviously a trailblazer in a way she's going about her business and 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 changing the norms in her sport. But you know, mm. you've all got that bit about about you, the trailblazer. Yeah, you, know, you talk about what you're doing now. What's the transition been like for you post rugby league? You know, we um we have plenty of former players on this show. They talk about their transition. You just by talking yep. to you, just in the, in the spring in, in your voice, you sounds like you've you've 
you've managed to transition to life after footy pretty well. Can you tell us about what you're doing now? Yeah, well, look, the one big thing about uh, about that is you know, having good people around you, Timmy. Look, I, I, I was one of those players that didn't want to leave rugby league with nothing because I've seen players leave rugby league with nothing and then how you know how how they really struggle uh whether it's you know that financially whether you know some of their relationships break down whether you know going through divorce all these different elements and i didn't want to be one of those statistics so yeah. one big thing especially towards the end of my career is i wanted to make sure i did study um uh, for after um for after rugby league and i was lucky enough to, to finish over in toronto but transition into um a, a company called the mental health movement Yep. Uh, with Dan Hunt, uh, Chris Houston, uh, where, you know, we used to, well, I'm not there anymore, but for 18 months, you know, we used to travel all throughout Australia, uh, after, except for six months of COVID there, where we'd, um, you know, looking to really help create, develop, maintain mentally healthy and supportive workplaces, community organisations, schools, and sporting clubs. Yeah. Uh, and we did that through our comprehensive, through a comprehensive four-stage mental health workplace blueprint, which was, you know, mental health awareness, training, education, resources, but really helping break down the stigma of people, you know, going through who are going through some struggles, uh, to reach out and seek appropriate support. Uh, and that was a real eye opener for me, and I, I absolutely loved um, doing that because it gave me a different perspective on life gave me a different perspective on how different people deal with change, challenge, adversities, uh, the trials, the tribulations, the, the, let's be honest, the, the sort of shit that we go through in life, that can be really tough. And it's a lot tougher to do it on your own. So uh, I absolutely love that. I work, again, I work with Dan and Chris, and they're two of my best mates. They still are now. Um, and that was, that was a really great transition for 18 months. And uh, now, I'm, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm the operations manager uh, the Group Seven Rugby League competition down here on the South Coast in the seniors wow. and the juniors, and yeah. I've um, I've really found a home here, mate. It's uh, I absolutely love it. I'm so passionate about my job because I get to focus on the growth and sustainability of the sport in the region that gave me so much. Because look, I was I was destined to live, grow, and die in Gerringong. Um I was yeah. probably just going to be a, a work on the farm, or, or I wanted to be a carpenter or a firefighter, but. Rugby League gave, provided me a platform uh, to be something in my life, something in this world. And uh, now I'm in a great position to give back and also, you know, help the viability of each individual club here on the South Coast, but not just on the South Coast, in all, uh, in all areas of, uh, of our region, uh, of New South Wales, of Australia. It's, I, 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 like, like you, Timmy, mate, I'm very, very humbled to be able to do what I've done. And a lot of that's through, uh, well, the majority of my life through rugby league and um, I'm in a perfect position to give back and, and that's what I'll continue to do. Good on you, man. And for, for listeners at home, where um, where exactly is uh, Group 7? Is, is that the Group Green? Where, what what yeah. area does that... Yeah, that's right, Group 7, yeah. so South Coast. So, from where to so where? So it's from... Um, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, so it's from Warilla. Uh, Warilla is probably our north, most northern here yep. on the South Coast uh, and down to Ulladulla, down to Milton Ulladulla. And then out to sort of Robertson, Southern Highlands. So we've just in the last in the last few months of um, uh, the Southern Highlands storm have just entered our first grade competition for the first time ever. So it's it's a brilliant addition. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be mean another team in in our uh, in our first grade competition, which keeps strengthening that. So we're up to eleven teams now. But uh, for yeah, you know for people out there who might not be familiar with some of the teams, there's you know teams like Warilla Gorillas, Albion Park. Uh, Eagles, Jerringong Lions, Berry, 
uh, Barry Magpies, Milton Overdollar Bulldogs. Um, there's yeah, there's some really some Shell Harbour Sharks as we mentioned before. Is Minigong uh, Lions there? Really, yeah, Jeringong Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jeringong Lions. Oh, sorry, what, what about what about, home team. what about the Kyber Knights? Barrel and Minigong. Do they have a team that out that way? Uh, they're they're Group Six, uh, but they're going into they've merged with Macarthur in okay. with Campbelltown. Yeah, so okay. that's where Southern Highland Storm have, have come in have come in with us. Uh, but yeah, Mittagong, I think you would have played with like Jeremy Lattimore and Bryson, Good, uh, Bryson yep. Goodwin. Yep. I think they're up that way. I know they were last year. I'm not sure if they're playing this year. But um, look, we, we, look we, we've got a really strong team. Oh, it's a strong team. We've got a really strong competition. And it, it's brilliant. Uh, last year, we, we, come, we lost in the final for the uh, country championships uh, against, against Monaro. Um, so we've got, a, yeah, we've got a really strong competition down here, mate. We want to make sure that we keep and it's up to me to keep galvanising that, keep people engaged in in rugby league or in and sport in general, especially after the last two years we've gone through with yeah, COVID. For sure, it's been COVID's really smacked that around, so it's good to see it back up and running. Uh, you talk about the Shell Harbour mm. Sharks. I played with uh, Josh Cordoba, who was a very proud shark. He's always come with his yeah. jersey and, and reminds me of Sharky's legend. Yeah. What um? <laughs> what so? What's your role entails? So as a, in in terms of operations, are you ter- are you organising the day to day for the the, the, the whole group or what's happening? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So the day-to-day operations of the group, uh, making sure things are run uh, as efficiently as possible. Having, uh, the, the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm the probably the only full-time employee here, but we've got a lot of really good um, part-time uh, people and also volunteers from the, from the communities that come in and help. Uh, I've got the New South Wales Rugby League and, and the NRL development guys literally next door to be here. So we've got a really good, uh, you know, posse or a gang of uh, people here that are all, you know, very, very motivated and very encouraged to, to fight a common goal. And, and that's to make sure our, our region is is working as efficiently and, and as, as productively as possible and you know, helping it be you know, one of the premier competitions in New South Wales Rugby League. Mate, there's one thing I've learned about being involved in rugby league in my life. Uh, your role, and I don't know much about Group Seven, but your role sounds like yeah. you could be you could find yourself in a bit of a politician uh, position soon, where you're going to have people from all sides pulling you. So, all the best. Yeah, <laughs> handling the absolutely, the mate. Politics, well, that's mate. the thing. They all, all, yeah, I know, mate. And that's rugby. You know, that's not just rugby league. That's sport in general. Yeah, yeah. But, Look, I'm going to have to make decisions that that might not be in the best interest of some clubs, but if it's in the best interest of rugby league down here, you know, and if it's in the, the, the if it's going to help with the growth and sustainability of the competition, well, I'm more than happy to put my name to to those decisions. And if people have a problem with it, again, my door's always open, my email's always on, my phone's always on. Yeah. Please ask me, question me why we why I had to make those decisions. I'm more than happy to make. Uh, to, to give them an answer. But yeah. the good thing, as I mentioned before, you know, I've got good people around me, but my big th- a big thing that I'm huge on is, you know, if you're going to lead people, you need to know the people that you're leading. That's you know, awesome. under- yeah. Giving them an understanding of, you know, finding out who they are, um, delegating roles to them to empower them with a bit of, a bit of confidence that they can make those uh, make those decisions. And um, look, it's not just me being up here, you know, standing sitting in an ivory tower, telling this, that, the other, what to do. Man, I'm going to be out there on the front lines. I want to make sure, you know, at games, at clinics, at, at you know, visits. We've had we had Freddie Fitler and and the um, the homes for hog, uh, the hogs for homeless down here a couple of uh, last month just before Christmas, and that was absolutely brilliant, man. That was a it was a real positive shot in the arm for our for our region and. Uh, little things like that that go a long way. 
Um, so there's a yeah again mate there's a lot of good people in rugby league a lot of good people are involved in our sport mate they couldn't have got a better person or a better candidate in that position like you look at even the way you talked at the start of the show about your preparation for NRL and your upbringing and making sure you're on time and wearing the right kit and there's so many things that you've kind of had ingrained into you and I'm a big believer that athletes can make such a great transition into the workforce because they've got so many life lessons that they've learned throughout their career and Work mm-hmm. ethic, teamwork, leadership. There's so much that you kind of, yeah. if you're smart enough and the way you've, the way you've done it, obviously you've, you've transitioned that really well into the, the workforce, but you've learned so many talents throughout your career and it's great to see you using those talents and, and being productive with it because honestly, I think mm. you're, you're going to thrive in that position. Uh, oh, thanks, mate. No, it's, it's good. But if any, you know, oh, this, this is what I'd say to any um, players who have sort of come to the end of their career, you know, don't. To, to be honest, don't don't freak out because the the skills that you've learned, especially through rugby league, and if you've been in rugby league for a while, they're, they're so transferable into all aspects of life. Um, but it, I, I just think the biggest one is attitude, is attitude and, and willing to learn. Um, that, that was one thing about the best the best teammates I've ever had were all coachable. No yeah. one was ever bigger than the game. No one was ever bigger than the club because the club and the game will go on a lot longer than than the individuals. So. Be, you know, yeah, like I said, be co- be coachable, be prepared um, for for some accountability because that only it only strengthens you as a, as an individual, but also builds that resilience uh, in yourself for when you know because life's not always rainbows and lollipops, is it? You know, there's yeah. going to be some ups and downs, there's going to be some tough times, but if you understand yourself and understand how to get through those tough times, um, not just individually but with the help of others, you're going to thrive in this world, not just in your life, not just survive. Yeah, and. Yeah, you, you sound like you're saying to this, like the mental health movement is obviously something that you would have been great at. But do you reckon um, enough players focus on that mental side of things throughout, the, throughout their career? Is there, is there a way that um, players are starting to open up more to it? Are they looking at it less? What, what's the status at the moment? Yeah, look, mate, I, from the work that we did with a few different clubs uh, when I was at the mental health movement, it's starting to break down that stigma. It's starting to break down those barriers of people actually reaching out and seeking support because when you're a rugby league player, but also, you know, in all different facets of life, if you're a mum or, or, or if, you know, a father, older brother, you know, a sibling, you know, sometimes we feel like we've got to be that big macho um, uh, uh you know, figure at the top where nothing, you know, we've got that body armour, nothing comes in, nothing comes out. Uh, you know, she'll be right, Get have a cup of concrete, harden up, get over it. But look, you know, that might have worked back in the old days where, you know, it was that sort of, uh, she'll be right, get on with it, you'll be right. But the world's changed, the world's evolved a lot since, since back then. And we need to change and evolve our thought process and our attitude towards looking after ourselves and but also keeping an eye on each other. Uh, because look, Let's be honest, you know, the, the state of play at the moment with life, you know, life's not getting any any easier. It's not getting any cheaper. You know, we've got all these gadgets, um, social media, uh, all these external factors that are putting a heap and a lot of pressure on in, on people. And um, having that having that thought process of, look, understanding that it is okay not to be okay. It is okay to go through some tough times in life. But it is okay to put your hand up and seek support because... Yeah. At the end, excuse me. At the end of the day, mate, seeking support doesn't make you less of a man, less of a woman, less of a husband, mother, father, brother, sister, whatever. Seeking support just means you want to be doing better than you currently are. And yeah. you know what? Who of us don't? Who yeah. of us don't want to be that best version of ourselves? So, hopefully, the stigma is breaking down, mate. I've I've seen it in the sort of two years that I've come back to Australia, where there's there's more awareness out there around it. 
but we need to really get that. We need to match that awareness with education and training, that mental health, uh, you know, education and training, and uh, giving people the tools um, to to help them in this life to be that best version of themselves. Yeah, that's so cool. And you, and you talk about social media, and you know, I, one thing that kills me is when you see kids getting bullied. And I remember back when I was in school, if, you know, if someone got bullied, they go home, they escape that, and then you know, they they have yeah. a bit of time to themselves. But then. These days, social media—they can't really escape because they go home and they—they're they're, they're getting no. smashed on social media as well. And it's the same with athletes. You know, yeah. back in the day, if you had a bad game, you come home, you'd be filthy with yourself, and you get over it. Whereas now, players—they're yeah. coming home and they're, they're reading about all the, all the noise and all the, whatever someone says about them on social media, and it's really affecting their mm. mental health. Is, what's your advice for for athletes playing now that have that that um trouble with having to deal with that noise and? all that um, other stuff that comes with it, all that extra pressure? Yeah, look, it's it's a hard one for me because I didn't have any social media until about sort of four years ago. Oh, 2016, sorry, I got I got on Twitter. And I, don't, I like Twitter. I don't mind Twitter because, you know, you can put your, you get your opinions, you get the bias, you get, um, yeah, you know, feedback off there. But it's not the place, it's not a place for the faint-hearted. Um, mm. my big thing on Twitter is, man, you're not, don't take advice, don't, um, take offense to people you wouldn't take advice off. Yeah, um, I good. think that, yeah. you know, every man and his dog's going to have a shot at you. You know, no one's ever going to be the perfect person and you're going to, you're going to go through wins. You're going to go through losses. Um, and the big thing about social media is how you, you know, how much of it you consume. The hard one with the kids is, you know, because yeah, it was a lot different when we were kids, man, yeah. you know, we had a. I had a Sega, maybe had a Sega there once or a Nintendo there a little bit when I was growing up. But oh, I didn't get that. Now, yeah, I was lucky to have the, we're the Atari. We're the Atari about yeah, Atari, five, yeah. five years <laughs> after everyone got it. Old, oh, yeah. Actually, I am. I'm the old Commodore 64. Um, but, yeah, look, I I hate it when people say, oh, kids have got it easy these days. Bullshit, they do. There's no way kids have got it easy these days. Look, uh, like you said, man, you know, when we used to have a bit of a hard time in the school play yard, we all sort of sorted it then and there or you went home to get a little bit of reprieve but then you know to go back there the next day now these kids are taking it home they're staying up till you know 12 2 4 6 a.m in the morning getting called this that the other you're going to get this you're going to get that tomorrow at school and it's it, it, it absolutely hurts kids mate and it hurts me to talk about it too because you know we've had i've i've um been involved with uh, parents that have that have lost kids through social media and look, social media—it's it's not the the end of the world. It's not all doom and gloom. You know, there's, you can use it for really good, but there's also those dark parts on it that you know, parents and also kids and people—they need to be careful what they put on there because some people take it a little bit differently. You know, you don't know what that person who just played that bad game for Parramatta or Dragons or or, or um, you know, Tigers or whoever it is—they mm. might be going through some stuff off the field there. And, um, that's yeah, you know, that, that, that's a huge one. Um, people, it just gives people a, a chance, you know, or keyboard warriors a chance to have a dig at people that they wish they were, or, or they, yeah, you know, you know it, it's those armchair critics, isn't it? But yeah, and that's not, and that's the thing I've, I've got to highlight here too is it's not all fans. It's really not all fans. Oh, you know, yeah, ninety-five percent of fans that I've come across are absolutely brilliant, and the ones who have a go at me, well, you know, I might not, I might not have played a good game or anything, but yeah, I, I know that. But don't don't go having a go at me. Don't put something on there that you wouldn't say to my face. Yeah. Um. So I just take you know I take social media with a grain of salt. I, I don't mind social media. It's, it's great for you know businesses, companies. Great for interaction, keeping friends with people. But there's also got to be a line that um, that you know it does get crossed. And 
I just think, yeah, players, especially nowadays, um, they've just got to be really careful and tread that line. Yeah. Mate, um, I also want to ask you quickly about Fiji. What's uh, what's your, your vision for them? Where do you reckon they end up in the next few years? Well, to be fair, mate, I think they've got a great coach um, there at the moment. So Wes Nagama, I've played with him uh, for a lot of years at the Dragons and also through Fiji. And he's, got, he's very passionate about where... Uh, the Fiji game's going, where they're headed. And also having someone like Petro, who's the, I think he's the vice president or the vice chairman uh, of the uh, the Fiji party there as well. So they've got good people involved there. Um, it's just going to be, it's going to be down to um, making sure that the development uh, is, is continuing. Obviously with the Fiji, um, the Silk Tails there, that's a great pathway for kids on the islands um, to aspire to play um, in the NRL. Yeah, we've got some really great we've got some great talent over there, mate. It's it's incredible. You know, you go to some of these some of these places on the islands. You know, these people who go on holidays at the resorts, they'll see on the beach there's a game of you know probably thirty on thirty versus thirty <laughs> uh, touch footy there. They they just absolutely love it, and the you know the tourists get in there, they get involved, and it's great. There's a real great vibe. So yeah, I think um, you know I've got I've got high hopes for uh, for the Fiji team. Look. The, I was lucky enough to play in three World Cups with them and all three, you know, someone asked me the other day, which one's your favourite? But I, I don't really have a favourite because I absolutely loved it, all three of them. Yeah. It was um, it's such an incredible experience to, yeah, to represent my, my mother's heritage, uh, of heritage that I'm very proud of, that we were very uh, proud of growing up, of, of being sort of, you know, having a half Fijian, uh, uh, well, being half Fijian, half Australian. It was, uh, yeah, it was always a cool talking point, but, once we understood, you know, who we were, uh, who we were representing our family, our, our bloodlines back to uh, back to Fiji, it was uh, it's a pretty incredible experience. Yeah, I always I, I tell people the most naturally gifted people in the world in, in rugby league are Fijians. I, I look at my the two mm. best players I was lucky enough to play with, and is it, for me it was always going to be Jared Hayne and Sammy Rudradra. You know, those two. Yeah, they had a gift that. You couldn't really teach anyone else, and by far the best. And yeah, you look at their heritage as well. But, um, mate, we absolutely lit it up. Yeah, yeah, freaks. Um, mate, we we are out of time. But I just wanted to firstly thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, we, we thank you for giving the time. But secondly, I just want to say how refreshing it is to hear one your, your you know I guess your excitement and the transition you made post football, but also. Um, I'm really excited about the role you have as well. I think there's going to be so many people in that in, in your area and in the greater you know, Group Seven area that it's going to be so much better off having someone like you, um, you know, looking after them and, and growing the game in that area. Um, we're really grateful for your time. We're great. Thanks, we're, we're pumped to see you doing well, and we uh, look forward to seeing you kicking more goals in 2022, mate. Awesome, Timmy. Thanks very much for having us on the show. Thanks for the kind words, and love what you're doing too, mate. It's um... It's it's inspiring for a lot of people to see you know, to see where you are, but it's also the ex players and also the current players to see. You know there are avenues after rugby league. Unfortunately, rugby league doesn't last forever, uh, but you can still be successful uh, after you know after chasing chasing your dreams all finished uh, in in the rugby league so in the rugby league scene. You're a legend. Thanks thanks so much, Ashton. Thanks for your time, brother. Good on you, Timmy. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Catch ya. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um. Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.